from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm joined today by Buzzy Cohen. I know. I said a little different today. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. I mean, it's yeah. been raining for four months yeah. in Los Angeles. It's about time we caught a cold. We caught colds, yeah. Yeah, um, we both have colds. And we've all tested as yep. we must to, you know. We are COVID-free, but just cold. Just sniffly. Positive. Um, and I just want to say, I want to get to do the intro one day. You and Michael always get to do the intro. I want to do it one okay, day. Okay, you should so totally get to do it. So let's put that on the to-do list. Let's also, do a redo right now. Ready? Do it. No, Come on. it's too late. No. Welcome us back. Just no, give me a little okay. taste. You know what? I want to save it. Okay. Sa- you know, save it All for right. the show. Okay. Um, you heard it here first, listeners. You're going to get to hear this sometime soon. It just seems fun. And not right now. speaking of fun, we are but two days away from a very important date. <laughs> See it what is. I, I thought yeah. you were going for Jeopardy, but no, you went. I was like, just it's actually before, three days. But just before Jeopardy, we get to celebrate Sarah Foss's birthday. Oh boy, looking great at 28. I gotta I say, know. I know um, it's amazing because I worked birthday. here for 22 years, so that means I started when I was six. Which yeah, kind totally... of the Doogie Hauser of the yeah, Jeopardy yeah, that's world. Me. Yep. That's yeah. what we call you behind your back. Yes. But happy birthday. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you I are... missed being on the same berth as Jeopardy by, by one, day. one day. Yeah, well, you had to come first because there you go. There you as go. anyone who works on the show knows, you know, you are spearheading so much of what happens. And you're, I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound not, this is going to sound. <laughs> oh, boy. This is going to sound made up, but you are, you are the wind beneath my Jeopardy wings. You Aww. really kept me, kept Fuzzy. me going here for a long time. So I appreciate it. Happy birthday, and I hope everyone out there in Podland, please send Sarah your <laughs> birthday wishes. Let her know how much we all appreciate her. Thanks, Buzz Buzz. It's not just my birthday, though. Obviously, on March 30th, it is Jeopardy Day, Jeopardy's birthday, born, you know, a few years before me in 1964. And I have some sad news. You know, last week on the pod, we yeah. announced that we were going to do our live Inside Jeopardy event in New York. You know, unforeseen circumstances have come up, and we're now going to have to reschedule for a later date. So we won't be celebrating it together in New York. I will still be there for some clue shoots, (laughs) um, but we are not going to be celebrating Jeopardy in New York, but we still have lots of fun things planned. We have the Anytime Test, as we talked about. You can take it anytime on Jeopardy, even Mm -hmm. if you've taken it in the last year. I might take it. It's been a while. Just for fun. Just to know you still got it. Yeah. For the first 10,000 people who take the test on March 30th, we will be donating $5.90 each person to support pancreatic cancer research at Stand Up to Cancer, something near and dear to all of us here at Jeopardy after losing our beloved Alex Trebek. His wife, Jean Trebek, is very involved with Stand Up to Cancer at this point, so we are just looking for another way to support that research. As a reminder, 20,199 people took the Anytime test Last year on Jeopardy, it was the first time we celebrated this glorious event, and we were able to donate $58,000. So let's beat the record. 20199 We can have more people this year. Set your reminders. Head to Jeopardy.com. Take the Anytime Test. Also, keep your eye out because we have a couple other things planned for Jeopardy. Mm. 
and Buzzy's involved in one of them. So I am. Keep a, listening. A rare instance where I am in the know. Oh, on yeah, something. you are. You are so in the know. You're like in the inner circle of yes, the know. Yes, yes. Well, if you are interested in becoming a contestant, which I really think everyone out there should try because I have said it before and I'll say it again. I was just sitting on my couch watching and a former Clue Crew member, Kelly... Miyahara said, take the test. It wasn't an anytime test at that point. It was a sure. scheduled test, but it said, take the test at home. I said, why not? Here I am on a podcast talking about my favorite show. It could happen to you. At the very least, you will get to be on the Alex Trebek stage if you do well on that test and get through the process. But it's a really easy and fun thing to do. So take the test. It takes 15 minutes. It is a lot of fun because it's basically a quick Jeopardy game, more yeah. or less. But Sarah, we do have some very exciting games to discuss. So Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Let's get into it. All right. Cue those beep boops. We kicked off the week with Kelly Berry, who last Friday, you may remember, defeated eight-day champion Stephen Webb. She's going up against Jake Garrett and Melissa Clapper. Jeopardy round, pretty evenly matched. Now, Jake is a football coach. He did finish that round with a small lead. And I have to say, during the break when Ken was taking, you know, Ken takes a picture with all of the contestants. And Ken said, this is the smallest I've ever looked on stage. I look like a punter. (laughs) (laughs) And to see the two of them side by side, I have to admit, Ken was correct. Now, in the Jeopardy round, we did have a clue. It was actually the final clue in the round. Quite the fish story, the category. The forest of Lassa Hallstrom was strong to pull in this Scott to play a fisheries expert in salmon fishing in the Yemen. Mm-hmm. Melissa responded with McGregor, but many people thought maybe she just said Gregor. I have to once again tell you guys, we stopped, we listened to the tape. I know it wasn't as audible for you at home, but there definitely was her lips moving. She made a McGregor sound, and we knew that she did, in fact, have the correct response. But appreciate everyone just checking in, making sure we're paying attention. We were, and she was indeed marked correct. Well, Melissa had a strong double Jeopardy round, 12 correct responses, none incorrect. Uh, She hit the first daily double for 5,000, giving her a strong lead over Jake. When she found the second daily double on the last clue of the round, she wagered 3,000, got it correct, but didn't wager enough. If she had wagered 3,401, she would have been unable to be caught in final. So she realized it immediately after the score updated, you know, I think when you're up there and you're making 
a quick decision. You know, a lot of the times people are making those daily double wagers on guts. Yeah. How strong do I feel about the category? You know, on the other hand, if you feel like you're wagering too much, you could feel like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, lose the lead that I have got, although she was not quite in danger of that. I think, um, you know, a lot of the times people come in and have kind of a range vibe versus doing math. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I do not like doing math on television. And so I, I kind of I understand where she's coming from. Yeah, she realized she made a foolish math error, as she called it. And Ken said, hey, it's a lot of pressure in that moment because you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to get double that number. But that's quick math. And yeah. That's not just quick math at home on your couch. That's quick math on the Alex Trebek stage yep. with the lights, with the cameras, knowing that millions of people are going to watch you. So, And she's just basically more or less completed playing her first Jeopardy game ever with an incredible lead. I understand that 3401 would have been a more optimal bet there, but uh, I certainly feel for Melissa. I don't think she should get down on herself. It proved to be a non-factor. She was correct in final. Everyone was correct, but in her case, because she had that lead, she goes on to Tuesday's game going up against Brandon Anderson and Charlotte Diffendale. I want to talk about Charlotte's uh, jacket because Charlotte got a big compliment from uh, Ken. And Charlotte is a letter carrier. She is a letter carrier, so not unfamiliar with wearing a uniform. Yeah. I love this. But she said, you know, I wear a uniform all day. And so she wanted to dress it up for the Alex Trebek stage. Charlotte did actually tweet about the jacket. You know, she said the crew was so supportive of her. And when she had got off stage, they said, you know, the the day your episode airs, you should wear that jacket on your route. So she did. She even posted a picture of it on Twitter. And I just love that Jeopardy spirit. There she is, delivering the mail, (laughs) sporting some fabulous fashion. It was a very close Jeopardy round. Charlotte took a small lead with the help of the $1,000 Daily Double. Brandon right on her heels, $4,200. And uh, Melissa with $3,600, just $1,000 off the lead, basically, that Daily Double. Going into Double Jeopardy, Melissa showed up yet again in the Double Jeopardy round, as she did in Monday's game. Perfect 14 for 14 responses and a 4,000 Daily Double. But Charlotte had hit the first Daily Double and made a big wager of her own, keeping her in striking distance. It came down to final. Yeah, a triple stumper, but Melissa was able, with that lead that she had built in Double Jeopardy, to secure her second win. We head into Wednesday with Melissa going for her third win up against Karen Morris and Zach Wisner-Gross. Well, I have to just say that in addition to getting a lead in the Jeopardy round, not a, a huge lead, but a meaningful lead, you know, almost $4,000. I love that Karen is a cow surgeon. Yes. That was such an interesting thing. I mean, obviously, there are cow surgeons out there. I don't know if people are out on TikTok the way I am, but I am watching a lot of cow hoof care oh, yes. on TikTok. Yes, you've shared that. <laughs> Very fascinating. That and drain cleaning. Yeah, and, yep. drain. Yeah, I'm yep. I'm big mm-hmm. into it. So, um, going- okay, double jeopardy. <laughs> Moving on, Karen. She controlled the board for the majority of the round. She had a huge six thousand dollar daily double. She quickly found the second daily double, wagering ten thousand dollars, and responding incorrectly. At that point, she had essentially wrapped up a runaway game. So, the large wager, maybe some could say unnecessary, but. This is not the first time we've seen this kind of gameplay and seen it done successfully. Yeah, I think that it's easy to say to Karen, you overwagered. But, you know, if Karen had gotten it correctly, it would have been like, oh, it's another James Holtzauer or Austin Rogers who also made, you know, 
what some would consider big, unnecessary yeah. wagers, both on daily doubles and finals. I love it. Even Karen herself, she said it's a game show. It felt wrong not taking a swing. Margaret Shelton, she took a big risk at one point in her run. I remember her saying, you know, it's I just got to take my shot. She even came to Karen's defense saying, everybody who wants to take beep about a contestant's wager on Jeopardy, beat it. It's tough AF up there, and we all do our damnedest to win. As much as you may want us to win, we want us to win more. But you get up on that stage and show me how it's done. I love Margaret Shelton. She just says it like it is. And I will say that I remember uh, when I would go up and wager zero on Final Jeopardy and then just do my joke answer. It bothered people because they wanted me to, you know, make not lose a runaway, but wager some money and make more money. So it's like you're leaving money on the table. So, it, you know, you can't win. Can't win. Well, even after missing that daily double, Karen was still in the lead going into final. Unfortunately, she was the only one who was incorrect. So Melissa gets a come from behind win to secure her third victory. She said at the end, you know, this is just really exciting. I've been watching Jeopardy since I was a little kid. I had the board game at home. This is just surreal and a dream come true. And Thursday, Melissa is now facing Alec Chow and Daisy Donahue. Yeah, in the Jeopardy round, Alec had 14 correct responses on his way to a solid lead heading into double. In double Jeopardy, we had a great category from Amor Tolls. He talked all about the Lincoln Highway. Not only his book, but our writers did a really creative category, kind of, you know, mapping out the Lincoln Highway in a very only Jeopardy way that our writers can do. What a pleasure it was to record with him. Just a really kind man and just to get a little window into his mind and how he comes up with these stories. Uh, I thought that was a fun category for the show. You know, Melissa suffered missing two daily doubles in the double Jeopardy round giving Alec that runaway, but he was also the only one to get final correct. And in movie theme songs, Monty Norman, the composer of this character's theme, said the staccato riff conveyed sexiness, mystery, and ruthlessness. Mm. And that was James Bond or 007. Yes, we would have accepted 007. Just want to let everyone know that. Alec was really emotional during his post-game chat. You know, when he asked to what he credits his first Jeopardy victory, he responded... My parents, they're in the audience, and they've given me everything. That is so sweet. Well, Alec is our new champion, and on Friday faced Tamara Gattas and Michael Murphy. Michael Murphy, you got to say it. Little Kenny Rogers-esque. Uh, Jimmy McGuire, our stage manager, he said, all right, Kenny Rogers, everybody. And it got a big (laughs) laugh in the studio. Watching at home when he made that $4,000 daily double wager, I said, of course he did. He's the gambler. There you go. Well, a fun category we had in the Jeopardy round, WWE. This was my first kind of experience into Mm. WWE. We actually traveled to two different cities for two different events, a SmackDown event, a a Raw event. Podcast producer Carlos Martinez and I traveled together. He's a wrestling fan, me not so much, but I really learned to love it. We went to one of the shows after we recorded the clues. I may have had a beer spilled on me within the first 30 minutes, but, you know, it was a lot of fun. Ken loved this category. Yeah, I was going to say that when we've been taping recently, people always ask Ken what his dream category is, and often he'll say 1980s pro wrestling. 
There you go. So he was excited about that. We have a lot of wrestling fans in the Jeopardy world. James Holtzauer, of course, probably the biggest one. Yeah. But uh, Jason Sterlocky, a buddy of mine, also a big wrestling, always posting about AEW, which maybe I shouldn't talk about because their arrival of WWE. But I'm just out here living my life, yeah, speaking my just truth. sharing your truth. Speaking of the truth, Double Jeopardy, the tables turned completely. Alec and Michael scored, stay stagnant while Tamara dug herself out of the hole. She found and responded correctly to both daily doubles, and after the second daily double, exclaimed, Look at me, I'm in first place. I love that. That's a great feeling. This is what <laughs> winning feels like, Tamara. By the end of the round, she nearly had a runaway score, but it did come down to final, which she got. Yes. She was the only one to get. What an exciting week. You know, we had a great three-day champion, a lot of, you know, some come from behind, some runaway, a little bit of everything, something for everyone. Something for everyone. I actually had the chance to catch up with Kofi and The Miz. They were in town because they were playing Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Uh, You can see them this week on the Wheel of Fortune. So I had to say, hey, what's it like now that you've been in a Jeopardy category? So let's hear from Kofi first. Kofi, did you ever think you would be featured in a category on Jeopardy? I never, ever in my wildest dreams thought that I'd be featured in a category on Jeopardy. It's just crazy. I feel like the longer that I've been with WWE, the more of these, um, like, unthinkable life goals you know what i'm saying like uh, bucket list items uh come up now in this category that we were kind of taking a look at wwe over the years your clue all about andre the giant right did you grow up an andre the giant fan absolutely who didn't yeah you always heard about uh just how big he was you know so i could only imagine especially back then what it was like to see andre the giant and from what i understand and like we talked about in the question he was pretty rowdy you know what i mean moving cars on his own like this is things these are things that you would see in a comic book or a movie you know let alone real life so yes moving cars not driving them not driving them moving them as a prank on his fellow wrestlers at night it's like a little jokey joke oh i'm gonna Uh move your car (laughs) like whoa you're not supposed to be able to do that in real life man all right you did a terrific (laughs) job presenting your clue it was an incredible category the contestants loved it awesome and thanks for being a part of jeopardy thank you so much for having me It's been a a complete honor. It feels like a a legit dream. Such a character, and even a bigger character, if that's possible. Let's hear from The Miz. So you've done a lot in your life, The Miz. But now you've presented a clue on Jeopardy. Uh, Yes, and honestly, like I think this is the closest I can get to Jeopardy because I'm not sure if I'm smart enough to be a contestant on it. Every time I watch Jeopardy and I try to answer the questions, I never seem to get them right. What would be, like, a great category for you? WWE. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thankfully, that was the category that you presented in. Your clue, SmackDown. Yes. Kind of ironic, because you're on the Raw team. But you really, you laid it down about what a SmackDown is. And I feel like you put a lot into that clip. I did put a lot into that clip. Uh, Anytime that you're going to be on an iconic show like Jeopardy, you want to put full force and go all out. And that's exactly what I did for a clue. I can tell our listeners that you really also wanted to be the one chosen to present the category introduction. Because only one of the five gets selected for that that's a and big deal. It's a big deal. But then along came Triple H. I, I know. And, you know, I get it. I understand. <laughs> but I wanted it really bad. I've loved Jeopardy ever since I was a child. Uh, watched it with my family. And I feel like you get this. You guys get this a lot. Like, But it's, yeah, I think it's very near and dear to a lot of people. And it's kept 
everyone entertained for how many years? What? Probably like 40 seasons, well, maybe? We're in our 39th season. 39th? Isn't that you incredible? You were a part of season 39. That's amazing to me. That's It's a true honor to be a part of it. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you for sharing these interviews with us, as always, Sarah. That's it for our game recaps. As I said, an incredible week. But now it is time for some viewer questions. Steven asks, over the years, I've noticed some categories continue to appear on Jeopardy, even though the players sometimes struggle with the material. Football, for example. While other subjects appear once or twice and then never again. Hall of notes, anyone? Can you discuss the writer's process to decide whether categories are kept in the rotation or discarded? Well, the one thing I can say is that one person's best category is another person's worst category. And it really just depends on the three contestants who are on that stage any given day and the categories that are before them. You could play the same 12 categories on one day and have them go over so well, you could play them with different people and maybe not so well. So you can't ever really judge how a category plays with the three given contestants. We've had those experiences at home where you're watching and you're like, how do they not know this? This is so easy. But it's absolutely the reverse with other categories. So I couldn't begin to dive into the minds of our writers, but I can say they wouldn't judge, you know, how gettable any one clue or category is based on any particular group of contestants. And one thing I would say is that if you look at the examples that Stephen gives, football, there is a lot of information there. We have decades and decades, tons of players. We have pro football. We have college football. Hall and Oates, much more limited material to play with. Very true. And that is often a challenge. You know, we'll have particular talent who wants to come and do a category. And it just may be that recently we've asked clues about them, not knowing they'd want to come and present. And we can't actually make it work because like you said, there's only so much material and at least enough time has to pass to phrase it slightly differently. And then you have the added challenge of tournaments like Masters and Tournament Mm -hmm. of Champions, where our writers and researchers have to go and and make sure they call it duping the material, make sure that none of those contestants has responded to any clue that would once again be asked in a future tournament. So it limits the field even more. Just another reason why our writing team and our researchers are so yeah amazing. And speaking of that watching from home, I remember, I don't know if this is interesting, but I remember after I finished my second tape day, I had lost on Jeopardy. I went home, ordered some Chinese food, and sat down with my wife and watched <laughs> Jeopardy. And I turned to her and I said, I'm really glad I didn't tape on this day because I would have done really badly See? on that game. So it just goes to show. this is coming from a, a nearly... Uh, coming off a nine-day... Exactly. Almost a super champ. Almost very nearly a super <laughs> A sub-super champ, as I like to call myself. Uh, <laughs> speaking of super champions. Yeah. Sean asks, speaking of super champions, uh, I have a question about super champions. When players like James Holtower, Matteo Roach, Jamie Schneider, etc., uh, when these super champs are going through the casting process and are selected to be a contestant, do you have an idea on whether or not these players can make a sizable run or go on a lengthy streak? Or is it unpredictable and you never know how a player is going to do until they get on the stage? Well, my firsthand experience, you know, during COVID, we all kind of pitched in where we could. And so I helped out in the contestant department and I did auditions, um, particularly the first round where you have to take the 50 question and answer test on Zoom with Mm -hmm. one other person. And it's moderated, basically. And I remember one contestant, I won't give out their name. They scored a near perfect test you know, such a great personality, so confident. I went on the record. I was like, I have met 
the next Ken Jennings. Wow. Um, this is it. I'm going on the record. And, you know, that person came on. They won one game barely. And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this was going to be yeah. the next great ultimate champion. And then in talking with the contestant team, everyone feels that way. You really right. can never anticipate who is going to be one of those elite. It just, it's unknowable. You know, many of these people, those super champions you listed, James and Amy in particular, they tried out many times yeah. over the years. So it's just a lot of things have to align just perfectly. Yeah. And that's kind of the most exciting thing about it. On any given tape day, you never know when you're next Ken Jennings Buzzy Cohen, James Holtzauer, you never know when they're going to start playing. So it makes it exciting. Well, thank you for uh, your questions. Sarah, thank you for these insights as always. Before we close out the show, I did tease that I was going to have a code word for people in the audience if they see me. And oh, for the coffee for orders. For the coffee orders. So yes. the coffee order code word is going to be a Peterson pick-me-up as the person who revealed Michael Peterson Davies' middle name on the podcast. If you come up to me and say, Peterson pick-me-up, I will go get you a coffee if I happen to be at the tape table. I didn't even have to say it today, and I have a beautiful latte right in front of me yeah. from Buzzy. Thank you. Well, now with our new uh, podcast code word, that brings us to the end of today's show. We'll be back next week to discuss more gameplay as Tamara goes for her second win tonight. I can't wait. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. And send us your questions to InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. See you next week. Peterson, pick me up. Bye. <laughs>